0: Welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, we're going to talk about whether or not anyone needs any badges. (laughs) With The Treasure of the Sierra Madre from 1948, directed by John Huston, starring Walter Huston and Humphrey Bogart and Tim Holt and some other people, including a man named Alfonso Beloya, which is a fantastic name. But before we get started, how was your week?
1: Uh, my week was actually pretty good. I um, I think my big downfall was being way too enthusiastic for a hike ah, on Saturday. You Trying and, to get back on that horse. Mm, well, it's been a while since the surgery and all, and, and it was more strenuous than I thought, particularly the last part of the trip, which was on sand.
0: You guys, just so you know, from an outsider, every trip he's taken in the last two years has been more strenuous than he thought it was going to be at the beginning. (laughs) He always powers through, and I'm always like, super glad you didn't die.
1: (laughs) But you are worried that I'm going to die, which makes me very happy. Somebody is. Yes,
0: I am worried that one of these women's, one of these women's in your life is going to take you into nature and make you walk a million miles until you die from it.
1: I'm not saying that won't happen eventually, but I'm saying for the time being, everything's good. How was your week?
0: My week was good. We're recording this well in advance, All right. so I don't know how my week actually will have been. Hopefully, also good. Uh, when this drops, it's my best friend, Corey's birthday. Happy birthday, Corey. You're also Corey. my birthday. You're also my best friend, everybody. I have two best friends. They're both dudes,
1: and one of them's Corey. Just live
0: with it. And Just his don't birthday. Don't ask any
1: questions. It's, it's so fine. fine. Right. Not about you, listener.
0: And I'm also not one of those girls who's like, I'm not like other girls because I don't have like girl friends. I'm not, that's not me. I just happen to have two very close oh, okay. guy friends. And
1: <laughs> I like the accent, by the oh, way. Thanks. It was very good.
0: And uh, it is his birthday on the day that this drops. So happy birthday. I will be at his house uh, or actually at a brewery or distillery that night. Yeah. that's Could you where say it again, please? Brewery. Brewery, brewery. I, I get like lost it. in the middle with my speech impediment. There's that just too fun. many R's. There's too many R's. Mm-hmm. And I don't do R's. Like the my least the word. favorite word is. <laughs> I signed it to you. Right. Oh, I don't. R U R A L
1: Rural. No. <laughs> Rural. Rural. Oh, it's we're trying to spell the word banana. B, A, N, A, and, and then you just keep going because you don't know what is to top, N, A, N, A. I saw a, a meme the other day that was like,
0: man, I wish she had spelled something like necessary in that song so I could spell that, because <laughs> I knew how to spell banana. <laughs> What's the funny thing that make songs about spelling words that are tricky? Like minute, or separate, there's an A rat in it. All right, you want to talk about this
1: movie? I would love to talk about this movie. This movie is
0: a Western, but really it's a character study, y'all. It's I've heard
1: one person refer to it today as a noir Western, yeah. which is an interesting combination of elements. I'm going to go disagree with that. Mm-hmm.
0: It's... And I... Mm. Western is even
1: <laughs> There are tricky. words coming from your mouth at some point.
0: Western is even tricky. I think yeah. it is thought of as a Western because it was directed by John Huston.
1: There are horses in it. Yeah, but that doesn't... I mean... But what are the arguments for it being in favor of, of being a western I, I don't know
0: I'm not making the argument I don't think it's a western but Wikipedia tells me it is
1: a western film <laughs> alright so the Eastern arguments film. in favor of it being a western is it takes place in the west sure alright sort it's, of it takes place in Mexico it's a period Mexico. piece that takes place in the west
0: in Mexico Re- right the entirety Mexico. of this movie takes place in Mexico right. in Tampico and in
1: Durango by the way, I will be using my Gringo accent for some of this. Um, Your Gringo accent. Yes. What's that mean? Like you're gonna just knock out the Treasure flavor? of the Sierra Madre, as opposed
0: to Sierra Madre. Sierra
1: Madre, <laughs> which sounds like I'm swearing or I'm coming on to the audience, which I don't. Sierra really. Madre
0: was a one of the um, names of a dorm in at Cal Poly. Sierra Madre it's was a, a dorm. I think it was the a dorm really, Corey was
1: in. <laughs> really long mountain range. That goes. I stayed in Yosemite, well, so that's the type of things yeah, they were naming things. It goes well into South America, which I did not know. That mm. was just really extensive. Yes, um, but yes, that works in its favor. It's a period piece. It's set. It has a sort of, uh, it has themes from Western, um, westerns, which is the hunt for gold and the lust for gold and all those things.
0: Benditos, which I guess if we're <laughs> right at the same time, that's the the savages. Right, I'm using quotes, and I'm so sorry, but you that's can't see the... <laughs> her
1: quotes. But yeah, she's using quotes. Um, but I but think that is a the western, elements, of a right. western right? And there's Indians. Well, yes, because Mexicans are Indians. I, I know. They're that, also but there's an Indian village. In Americans. The that's true. So Actual Indios. Yeah, Indios. Um, which there were also in the last film. This is really interesting considering that we just saw the wild bunch. Yes. That this is almost like um
0: And keep in mind that there's Halloween comes out between Right. Or we we've we just talked about the Wild Bunch. We didn't re-record a Halloween episode, so it was two row. Right, but okay. yeah, these are coming very close to each other. And they do have a fair amount number of similarities. Yeah. When The Wild Bunch is twenty years later.
1: Well, this is at nineteen twenty
0: four. It's set in nineteen twenty five, actually, but um, but it was made in nineteen forty eight. Right. Now, let's start with the making of this movie. John Huston like read this book and bought the rights like right away, mm-hmm. and was set to make the movie starring Walter Huston in the Humphrey Bogart role. And then, oops, a war did happen. <laughs> So, uh, everything was backburnered and put on hold. um, And that's why it didn't... And and different people got a hold of it, and there were different ideas of who was going to direct it. And then it finally came back full circle for John Huston to go ahead and make the, the actual movie. But at that point, his father was too old to play the lead. So, he hired his father to play... The old prospector, mm-hmm. which his father didn't fucking want to do. Oh, no, he didn't want to do because it. Because he
1: still saw himself as a leading man. There's a very funny story where... I think it was Houston and Bogart and maybe Tim Holt like, actually stole his dentures so that he wouldn't present as a leading man, Walter Houston. Come on. And Don't it's like with a man's teeth. But at <laughs> the same time, it also led to this performance, which as I read today, is the... Really, is every single minor that you see in a film since then. All miners are slightly crazy, do weird jigs, down to, as this pointed out... Crazy but not dangerous. Down to... Stinky Pete the Miner in Toy Story 100% Is this guy He's also
0: prominently featured on several slot machines I mean that same Very much a Stinky Pete vibe Mm -hmm. Bigger hat Walter's not wearing a hat for most of this film Weirdly but That's because the hat's saved for the villain Villain? I'm going to use quotes around villain. The villains, villain, yeah, because the, the villain is the star of the movie, y'all. Humphrey mm-hmm. Bogart is the villain of this film, and it's a great performance. It is a great performance. Uh, so he plays.
1: Well, wait. Do we want to say anything else about the making of the film? Well, the making of the film. It's based on a book by B. Travin. Right. Okay. And B. Travin. And isn't please his
0: understand, it's B. Period. Travin.
1: Right. We don't his even know what the B stands is for. Bert. It is Bumblebee. It could be the that that idea is Bruno, but we don't talk about Bruno.
0: It's <gasps> oh, just Traven, no.
1: okay? And he. We, and Kat told me. <laughs> we uh, and it's really interesting. He wrote a dozen books. Okay. A lot of collection of short stories. Nobody knows who this guy was and why he was in Mexico. This remote area. So of he's
0: writing. Novels
1: based, quote unquote, based on his own experiences. Mm-hmm. Some of them are based on his own experiences, and that resonated with John Huston, right? Who in his early days had joined the Mexican cavalry, right? So we're talking so, about a, a Jack London type, right? A Farley Moat
0: type, although he was pr- he was debunked mm-hmm. at a certain point, um, in the darker. Things we could talk about Eli Visell right. writing
1: novels based on shit that happened right. to them, but which these, is
0: a lot of what this people was, do, but an adventure type right. thing. So, the Jack Linden and the Vernon. His,
1: his book apparently is split up into different parts and it would probably frustrate both of us as readers because there's like novellas within novellas in the story. Interesting. Within the novel, people tell the story of the lost mine and how it was ruined and how it was lost. Um, people tell the story about well the the story starts with Fred Dobbs bumming around Tampico looking for money Yeah. it goes into more detail about um what happens to that's that's a whole part of the novel to itself and right. it sort of jumps around between historical events manufactured historical events using real things right and then goes back into the story gotcha so there's a lot of that kind of thing uh Traven was very famous for having very liberal viewpoints. But we don't know who he actually was? No.
0: We just know what he we wrote and what he Did he publish op-eds and things? Is that how we know that or just the tones of the his tones books of his work. and what's in there? Okay.
1: In, in the, the original book, Treasure of Sierra Madre, has implications against the Mexican government and the church, the American government and then remember, at the time, the the Mexican government, this is 1926, so this is a little bit after what yes. we saw in the Wild Bunch. Yes. The Mexicans have now taken over their government. That's right. And they're slowly pushing everyone out. Right. Um, and what happens is that uh, they started establishing a really liberal program. Well, a social reform program. The eight-hour workday was one of them. Okay. Which in the was that a
0: pioneering thing yes Did we, and we we use that the labor labor units here use right. that to, as and a model what's,
1: what's interesting is that there's a part of the film that we'll go on to explain in a minute that doesn't make sense unless you know that that had just been passed in mexico mm. and i'll explain it okay. in a second but the, he was very liberal-minded he was very critical of the organized church And sort of European interference in Mexico, even though he himself is is, European. It seems like he is
0: a European American at the very
1: least. He's a white man. Right. We'll call Mm -hmm. him. Yes. There's a very interesting story. A global minority. What's (laughs) up? There's a very interesting story about the making of this film. And I mean, there's a lot of them. It it apparently was a fascinating shoot. They actually shot in the two villages that they talked about, Tampico and Durango. Yes. They actually shot there.
0: And Um, there are shots that are anachronistic, right. because there are sh- full town shots of Tampico mm-hmm. in the 40s with cars. Right, exactly. And we know from the, the opening, it's 1925, there were no cars. <laughs> in there Tampico. were less certainly cars. Not, that, certainly yeah. not 1940s, certainly not right. Model
1: T's or whatever the fuck were coming down the line. Like, no. But, um, but one of the stories is that uh, when John Houston goes to Tampico and Durango, there is a. Um, he had a lot of trouble in Mexico, even though he loved Mexico. He had a Which house. Which is wild, there.
0: and we should say this is like the, the first movie that shot on, uh, the first Hollywood movie mm. that shot on location in a place outside of
1: right Hollywood slash And, and a California. fair amount of it. There were studio shots and things like that. Yes, but for the a most lot part, of it was done back. It, in, it was, and it has this very strange and kind of alien landscape that you get in the mexican desert it's it does. very odd looking it
0: it's is like <laughs> and th- but there are also like parts when they were climbing right where i was like this feels like pet cemetery and what i meant by that was mm. this fucking feels like a soundstage right it just did it and, didn't yeah. look bad it just felt closed it felt like these motherfuckers have a roof over them
1: <laughs> right.
0: And that happens. <laughs> I mean that Which sometimes is fine. it's easier to, it's safer mm-hmm. to do that than it's safer to do that. Right. This is it would've been very very hot. These are very famous people mm-hmm. that we have going on here. It, I mean, you are talking about a director, writer director and his
1: father. Right. So, well, I mean Hitchcock never mm-hmm. liked shooting outdoors ever. He said because he couldn't control it. Yeah. He wanted oh, yeah, to yeah, he shoot wanted it on stage all the time. To the point to where something that modern audiences have an issue with, which is when you're watching something like North by Northwest, mm. even the outdoors, for the most part, are on a soundstage, yeah. and you're looking at it going, that's weird. Same thing weird with the birds, looking. where you're just like, right? uh those birds are inside. Right. I mean, they're also not
0: birds in a lot of cases, but right. like, but it's the 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 level of disbelief has to be compounded. Yeah. One, those are real birds. Two, that's
1: outside. <laughs> Three,
0: like it is. so you have to like oh. keep going. It's
1: fine. I it's appreciate a movie. the fact that they didn't do a lot of day for night, which is what throws you all. Day the time. for night is tough I just for me. Yeah. Rewatched. Um. Irwin, I just rewatched Irwin Allen's really confusing take on the Lost World, nineteen sixty. Right. And I, I saw it going spider. Right. I love that book. The movie is like halfway there, but not. And one of the things that really is confusing is that all the day for night shots were not tinted properly. So it just looks like people wandering around in broad daylight saying, it's dark out here. And it's like, also it's very tricky here. It's in very a movie light.
0: like The Lost World, where mm-hmm. a lot of it is st- straight spelunking. Right, they're they're traveling through caves. Right, and but that's the, hard, the and it's they reach specifically the, hard yeah. in the '60s and '70s. It's right. still hard now. Descent does a nice job of having it be dark as fuck, right. which is why
1: it's scary as I fuck. Did, <laughs> well, but going back to the <laughs> yeah. story about the uh, trailer of Sierra Madre, so there was issues where um, for a, a period of time, John Houston wasn't allowed to shoot because somebody wrote an op-ed about this film coming into town to make us look bad it's here to criticize mexican people which it's really there to criticize americans
0: the american is a 100 percent of the you might say that gold hat who is right the, the the speaker of the famous line from the movie and a bandito mm-hmm. um is the villain right he's not no. um I mean, he's a villain, but well, he's, not he's not the villain the of villain this villain. film. Um, but I will say that I found out a little bit more about the Hayes Code because I was as I was reading about this. There was it says that there was uh, Vincent Sherman was set to direct a version of the story during the World War II years, until his script fell afoul of the 1930 motion picture production code, which we might have heard of as the Hayes Code. Um, for being derogatory towards Mexicans. Now, here's what I know about the Hayes Code. Mm. Oh, that's why they sleep in separate
1: beds. <laughs> sleep in separate beds. You no could kissing. Not, if I, for instance, sadly, okay, <laughs> if I shot you, right? Yeah. It would have to be two individual shots. Me shooting
0: and, and me then falling you down.
1: receiving. Oh, okay. But we could not show it in the same shot. Yeah. I don't know why that was...
0: I I want to I actually kind of want to talk about the Hayes Code because okay. I didn't know about it being like like mm-hmm. you made a racist movie we're not we're not right. doing it so the Hayes Code wasn't a hundred percent bullshit so that's good because mm. I always thought it was a hundred percent bullshit because it is kind of referred to that way and right. some of the reasons, some of the things you're watching you're like but people don't live like this or talk like this yeah, or whatever right. which I mean. Fair because guess what it's a movie but also that gets that that stoned part of my brain thinking like so do i know anything about what it was like in the 40s mm-hmm. or 50s or do i just know what the propaganda tells me it was like in the 40s or 50s and y'all i think it's the
1: second i think it's that, true yes, about this. i
0: think it's it, the second
1: it's what you're watching when you're watching in the 70s
0: even
1: you're watching the really the obsessions of the director what out of culture they chose, or what, what the writer chose. Or
0: what, what okay. was a la- and But there's this these right. codes that were put in place, but in the same way that the MPAA, it's a fully. They're like, well, we can't get around it. And I'm like, really? Because you guys made it up. There's a, It's not legislated.
1: There's a, a film that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago called The Wild Party about a, a silent film star who shoots his wife for uh-huh. infidelity uh-huh. and shoots her lover. For no reason. they weren't un- She wasn't unfaithful to him. And it, I think it was meant to reflect uh, a, a comedian, Roscoe Arbuckle, Fatty Arbuckle. Yeah. Who was accused of murdering and possibly raping a young woman during a wild party that went on for days.
0: Like in real life?
1: Yes. Okay. And he had nothing to do with it, but he was the person who was there. And people began dissecting his humor and going, okay, look at him. Here he... Like, shoves this little kid in the closet Meanwhile, and locks the door and he
0: Now right. they'll do the thing, they'll say the thing and still nobody gives right.
1: fuck. <laughs> but um so the Hays Code was adapted as a way of saying, Look, we can police ourselves, we don't need to. And by that point, I mean there are clips of Tarzan and his mate where Johnny Weissmiller and Marino Sullivan take off every stitch of clothing and swim naked. Okay. in a yes. river. And that there were like, Oh, okay, and that was really a film that was gonna attract families and hear these naked people. So there were things that it was trying to protect you from. There are filmmakers, I think my favorite, being Val Luton, the producer. When he did Cat People, think about how strange that film must have been. These were people who had jobs, which was typically something that didn't happen. Films in the 30s were about heiresses and yeah, yeah, rich yeah. people. And, so, yeah,
0: because I want to go over mm-hmm. what the don'ts and the be carefuls right. are in the Hayes Code as proposed in 1927 and then ratified right. into their magna charta, which, guys, what? <laughs> pointed profanity, including the words God, Lord, Jesus, Christ, unless they've used in reverent connection with the proper religious ceremonies. Hell, S-O-B, damn, God with an A-W in the middle. Lord... And any other profane and vulgar expression, however it may be spelled. Two, any licentious or suggestive nudity, in fact or in silhouette. There's a lot of in fact or in silhouettes. Three, the illegal traffic in drugs. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Four, any inference of sex perversion. That, I presume, also includes homosexuality.
1: Well, again... What is perversion? That's well, a very broad The idea sentence. was that you could, and you always could get away with things like this in horror movies, in Cat People you have a woman who believes that if she sleeps with a man, she'll turn into a panther. And the fact that they covered that in that film in the 40s was a big deal because it was pushing the Hays Code, and he did that very typically. Yeah. Followed and pushed the Hays
0: Code as far as he could. Okay, and then five mm-hmm. white slavery,
1: right? Black slavery is fine. Oh no, black slavery! There was whole films just <laughs> white about slavery black slavery is not
0: allowed. miscegenation
1: mm-hmm.
0: sex hygiene, and venereal disease. I don't know what that means. Like, yeah, I don't. Know. Scenes of actual childbirth, in fact, or in silhouette, children's sex organs. We've gone to the first one where I'm like, yes, let's not put that on screen. Uh, Ridicule of the clergy. So, And finally, willful offense to any nation, race, or creed, which I would argue showing black slavery is willful offense to a race. But I guess we don't have to dial down too much. And then there are 25s be-carefuls about the use of the flag, international relations, arson, the use of firearms, theft, robbery, safe-crapping, crack-cracking, Safe safe-cracking and dynamiting of trains, mines, buildings, etc. Brutality and possible gruesomeness, technique of committing murder by whatever method, methods of smuggling, third-degree methods, I think that means torture? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> the the the, uh, the link in the Wikipedia page literally links to torture. So, Actual hangings or electrocutions as legal punishment for a crime. Sympathy for criminals. So those are, that's wild to have those back-to-back. Attitude towards public characters or institutions. Sedition. Apparent cruelty to children and animals. Branding of people or animals, the sale of women, or a woman selling her virtue. Her virtue. Does that just mean her virginity or sex at all times? Sex at all times. Um, rape or attempted rape. First night scenes. What's that mean? Means a wedding night. Oh yes, indeed. Man and woman in bed together. Deliberate seduction of girls. I presume that means actual children. Institution, the institution of marriage, surgical operations, the use of drugs, different than what it said above. Oh, that was the smuggling of drugs. Titles or scenes having to do with law enforcement and or law enforcing
1: officers. They thought a cap too,
0: and then excessive or lustful kissing,
1: particularly, which is your problem with older movies. Kissing when is
0: one character right. or the other is a quote unquote heavy. So right. kissing bad guys.
1: I think that, uh, Or femme
0: fatales, I suppose.
1: Yeah. The, um, <laughs> you've mentioned that before that it's really weird watching kissing scenes in all films. Yeah. It's essentially people just mashing their faces yeah, together. Because they can't open their mouths. Right.
0: <laughs> I,
1: but Yeah. But yeah, yeah. That 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 was that was all along the same lines of um, so
0: this fell afoul, uh, right. an attempt fell afoul because it was anti-Mexican. I don't One know that this own.
1: is anti-Mexican. No, it's not. I, I think that it, it um it's hard to, because we had the same issue with, well, we had a similar issue, or at least I did last, uh, when we were... Episode before last. Yes. When we did the uh, Wild Bunch. Yes. Where this is the white guy's version of Mexico. Yes. You know, the women Mm. are beautiful and all voluptuous. They're topless most of the time for whatever reason. Yes. And um, there weren't
0: that many women in this movie. There were almost. There was one? Yeah. I think there was one.
1: But um, the gist of the. uh, And I believe
0: she was intended to be a prostitute. But it's unclear
1: to me. I'm not sure which one you're talking about, but. There's only one woman we yes, ever see, she's and she's not, walking on the arm of a dude. No, there's also the woman in the village. Yeah, I don't...
0: Okay, yeah, you're right. There were women in the you're village, right.
1: but um, not
0: even really... I don't know. Okay, Everybody so, in the village kind of blends in together. They don't really have... They all look alike? No. <laughs> just they just kidding. they don't have characters. Right.
1: They're like a village. They all come around and that's kind of the way that they were supposed to be, in, uh, they are intended to be portrayed, I think, is that they were like, this is this kind of unity that these people have. Right. Um, but anyhow, to be Beatraven, the story I was going to tell you about them shooting in Mexico is that there were issues with the Mexican government. There mm-hmm. were issues, the, and at one point, the stars of the film championed Houston and got them to, and including Diego Rivera,
0: mm-hmm.
1: went to speak to the president of Mexico saying, no, he's a good guy, mm-hmm. Diego Rivera, right? Uh, and also the, uh, there's another uh, artist who helped discover the Olmec civilization also went to bat for him. I don't know so anything these, about
0: the Olmecs. Uh, these Other heavy hitters. There's the, the legend of the hidden temple.
1: <laughs> during the course of the film, there's a very grizzled old white guy who starts hanging around the set. And they're like, "Is he the spy- the guy that the Mexican government has put here to supervise us?" And he would make corrections here and there. He would just was it home. him? It was B. Traven in disguise. He just he attached just, not himself. Really
0: disguise. Well, he didn't. He, he used
1: a fake name, from what I understand, and constantly. <laughs> right. Well, that's part of his MO. But he was there just hanging around the film, and then he disappeared quietly before the film was finished, and everyone assumed that he was. With the government, but instead he was just making sure they didn't screw up his book.
0: That's so funny. I'm trying to find, presumed to be German, whose real name, nationality, date and place of birth, details of biography, are all subject to dispute.
1: That's crazy. I like the fact that in the photograph on Wikipedia, he looks like Edward James Olmos.
0: With a Hitler mustache. Yes. <laughs> it's a very strange, like, he does, huh. but he definitely has a hit the mustache. He's that yeah. same
1: sort of jolly bulldog look. Yeah. Anyhow, so we start in Tampico in 1925. Tampico in 1925, and we start with Humphrey Bogart. Fred C.
0: Dobbs. Fred Dobbs, mm-hmm. a white man in Mexico for no discernible reason. Mm-hmm. We do not know why he is there. He says at one point. Uh, after bumming money off of the same stranger three times. That stranger, played by John Huston. Hey, who's that? He's the director of the film. uh. (laughs) Uh, So we see him a number of times dressed like Tom Wolf in an all-white suit. Uh, And, oh, but, but Dobbs says at one point, you know, if I was back in America, I'd just get some mm-hmm. shoe black, and I'd set up shot up out here, and I'd be right. able, to, I'd be taken care of. But here, as a white man in Mexico, I can't do that because the other white men, the other expats, mm-hmm. wouldn't pay me, would ridicule me, and wouldn't come to my to to me for that business. And I'd get hassled by the Mexicans. Although he doesn't say he'd get hassled by the Mexicans, the person he's talking to says that, mm-hmm. and I'm like.
1: Right, and this is the person he's talking to at that point is Tim Holt, who it was
0: Curtin. that Bob Curtin. That Bob
1: Curtin, yeah, um, Tim Holt, who is he's a very interesting actor. He did a lot of westerns, but he's probably the most famous for playing the the in the Magnificent Ambersons with the genius that ends the month. He oh, okay, these two yeah, two polar, yes, uh, and and they apparently
0: he's very nice. He has a baby face that made me trust him.
1: <laughs> that's. That was his biggest (laughs) asset.
0: (laughs) Is it true? So he is we see him bum money off this dude once and Mm -hmm. he gets some food. This is Dobbs. And yes, Dobbs. And he also buys a lottery ticket from a little kid played by Richard Blake. Robert Blake.
1: Robert Blake, excuse me. As a kid. As a kid. kid, He's he's like like maybe fourteen. Oh no, he's younger than that. But he was a little guy too. He was one of the little rascals. Big. I understand. So he was really yeah, I don't. Let me find out. That scene, there's things that happen later on in the film where you're looking at Fred Dobbs going, I should have seen that coming because it's really, this character study is very intensive and it lets you know what kind of character he is right away. He was born in 1933 so he would
0: have been about 14 at the time okay. of filming. Seems I'm amazing! <laughs> he seemed pretty big. Um... But yeah, so he like is like we'll get one twentieth, like, mm-hmm. and that was the rest of the peso that he had gotten off this. Man. And this
1: kid's very persistent. Yep, to the point to where at one point he throws a glass of, of Dobbs throws a glass of water in this kid's face, and then he keeps on this, and deal. he just keeps on going.
0: He's getting his money, and it works out actually. Right. It turns out, but uh, then he goes and begs another money or another coin off of a dude getting his sho- shoes shined. Same dude, all white suit. He gets a peso. And he goes and he gets himself a haircut, mm-hmm. a shave. His hat's now too big. He's got a tan line on his right. neck. Like, he was, you know, going. he he had let himself go a long time between, between, you know, cleanups. So, he's now cleaned up. As he's coming out of the thing, he turns the corner and he sees another white man. It's not another white man. It's the same white man. And he asks
1: mm-hmm.
0: if... Uh, uh, f- uh, for a peso for a uh, down on his luck, would you would you stake a meal for a fellow American? Is how he always asks.
1: Down on his luck, which uh, is very funny uh, because I'm familiar with that line from a Warner Brothers cartoon. I
0: was going to say, "Is this I would gladly pay you Tuesday for?" a no, no, or, or, uh, there's, no, a, there's a
1: Warner Brothers cartoon with Bugs Bunny uh-huh. where he constantly is getting into scrapes in this cartoon. And then it's all interrupted by Humphrey Bogart, the likeness of Humphrey Bogart. I know that they have it. up to him and go, hey, can you stake a fellow? And And and, that's from this movie. Right, and Bugs is like digging inside of his. The Simpsons didn't start that shit. Right. (laughs) no, they don't. But I remember that as a a kid watching that cartoon going, what's the joke? And then I saw this film, I'm like, oh, Oh, there we go. That's the joke, yes. That's really
0: funny. And so this is the third time he's asked this man for money. And he's like, look, you have asked me three times for money. And you, I'm not giving you any. I'm, I'm going to give you some now. He ends up giving him two pesos. And he's like, you got to stop. Like, this is, it's disrespectful at this point. And he says, because we do see every time he's given the money, you see a close up of it in his hand, the coin. And he says, so I don't. I didn't know I had asked you three times. I don't look at your face. I just look at your hand and the money that you give mm-hmm. me. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Because you don't think that you can look this man in the face after begging off of him. Which is terrible. Right. That man is dressed head to toe in white. And he's like nine feet tall. <laughs> Bullshit you didn't know it was the same dude every time. I don't know if John Houston is nine feet tall. He presents as nine feet tall. He's got tall man energy. And like I said, head Two-toe in white. <laughs> like this man <laughs> stands out. I'm gonna and you're not drunk, so I'm gonna need you to take a little bit mm. more care about your positioning. So then he goes, he gets some drinks, he gets some food, he's standing outside of a bar and he asks a different man for some money. Stake a man on me a uh, fellow American. Of mm. He says I won't give you a red cent, but I've got I've got honest work if you'll do it. And so he takes him up on it and he goes, he's gonna make eight his a friend, day
1: his card.
0: Well, he meets him there. He doesn't at the he's bar. Got, he 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 meets Curtin at the Okay uh, on the job. He doesn't know him before that. He doesn't. The first time we see them together, he says hey to him as he goes up and gets mm. in line with all these other men who are getting on the ferry to go build oil derricks. They're gonna make eight dollars a day. They're out there for. Do some math. It's like just under twenty days. Yeah, <laughs> it's like eighteen days. <laughs> we can do the math from later. Um, and uh, when he come, when they come back, he, you know, he, we see a a, a scene with them on the site building up, and he and Curtin are working together. Then they ask this guy who has hired them, hey, I haven't seen a fucking penny. Where's our money? And he says, well, what are you going to do with it out here anyways? All you do is gamble it away. So uh, when well, the mm-hmm. well, the, the, we, if the ferry gets back, the guy will meet us with the cash, and I'll pay you out then. So there's not a lot they can do. They're already out in the middle of wherever in Mexico, away from anything that they can you know, spend money at anyway. So, they end up coming back, and of course, there's nobody there. And he's like, well, I gotta go sort this out, and and Bogart and, uh, or his name is Dobbs, and this is, I'll call him Dobbs. Dobbs and Curtin are like, hey, let us go with you. They don't trust his sketchy ass. And, uh, they, but he says, you know, meet me here in an hour or whatever. And of course, the dude never shows. It's five mm-hmm. hours have passed. They have no fucking money. He gave them like ten pesos he or something gave them some like that. Some
1: percentage of one day's wage. Wage, yeah, and they're living <laughs> off of it. And that's yeah. when they to to hold to, um,
0: to meet them at this bar and have a drink, whatever,
1: on them. Uh, and then yeah, you they know, get told by another person at the told bar. At
0: the bar after they've been waiting Pat for McCor- four and this is hours. Funny because
1: Pat McCormick. Was also the name of a local television host. Yes. Who was the nicest guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously it was. Puppet Show, who's, he did kids, he was just a really nice guy. every time I hear him go, Pat McCormick, that jerk, I'm like, really? Yeah. But yeah, they're warned off saying that they must be new in Tampico because everyone from there knows that guy. All the idiots fall for him.
0: Idiots and hard up, but they're kind of both. They're both. (laughs) Um, So uh, they go to. Is this when they go to the flop house for the first time?
1: Yes, I believe so.
0: Because they're like, we've only got like also I think they had like two fifty left, mm-hmm. like two dollars and fifty cents to pay, so whatever yeah. it is. Um and um Curtin's like that's not even a night, and he's like, I know a place. It's fucking crawling with gross, but it's fifty cents a night for mm-hmm. a cot. So we'll, we'll go there. Right. When you go there, they they meet. What's his name? The old prospector, um, Howard, played by Walter Houston, father of the director, uh, no longer a leading man, no offense, dude, but you're in your 60s, like, let's fucking be real about this, and he's talking about prospecting and how it changes a man, but how, you know, it calls, right, it calls to you and whatever, and Dobbs is like, I just go to take what I want. Or, you know, to take what I set out for. I don't need it more than that. And, and then I'd be happy with what I got and mm. I'd leave it, yeah, leave it all behind. Yeah,
1: famous he's like, night.
0: you know, you could say that, but I've seen hundreds of men <laughs> right. go through this. He's like, nah, I'd be cool.
1: And Howard, the prospector's an interesting character. I mean, they're all very interesting. Yes. But he's interesting in that for him, just hunting for the gold yeah. is what he wants. That's yeah. that gives that's him the, the joy. That's the thrill. That's
0: the joy. He and he's like, I mean, I'd only want like five five grand gets him to the end of his life in comfort,
1: right? And yeah, right. It's like that's that's what he says.
0: Um. So then the next day, there, uh, Curtain and Dobbs are sitting out on a bench, and they see <gasps> this motherfucker McCormick, and they do follow him into a bar. Do beat the shit out of them. Now I will be. I will be fair. This motherfucker beats the shit a little bit of the shit out of them, and they, which he right. has to be able to fight because he is taking advantage of desperate men. Right, but twenty at a time.
1: Right now, this is the the interesting thing about this is it explains a little bit why in the book Dobbs is out there. If the Mexican government has just declared an eight hour workday, right, he has them working sixteen hours a day. He does, yeah. And so, because they can't get the locals to work that right. way, he hires a bunch of... Migrant like,
0: labor right. does the things that local labor will not do. Or,
1: it is true, to put it more concisely, anywhere. immigrants get the job done. That's right. So, That's right. <laughs> Dobbs and Curtin, they complain to him. They're working right. eight-hour days. But well, we don't know why he's there in the first place. That's the day. thing. Like, right. Mm-hmm. The idea is that probably there was a lot of work there and in Trevin's book and it's before the depression right.
0: right we're talking about 1920 the book came out in 27 right. we're talking about 1925 so shit hadn't fully hit the fan no. in the us yeah I,
1: I think what you he it,
0: may have been a vet like mm-hmm. we don't know
1: right but he's got good gun skills we find out later one of that. the things that trevin does mention is that to your point about the white suit yeah is that he goes around following people wearing white suits because he thinks they have a lot of money. It turns out to be the same guy just walking around the town square.
0: That's really funny.
1: Which is funny. So um, that's
0: that is so in the book he knows he's asking the same dude Well, over he's, and over He again. thinks
1: he's asking like different rich right, dudes but different all rich dudes. and apparently dudes. there was there was a lot of Americans there just making money off of oil wells but now that they couldn't exploit the Mexican labor right. anymore they're, they're hiring assholes like Right, this they're hiring these guys who Which come into town. Which is insane,
0: because honestly, right. you're, you're getting twice the work at half the wages anyways. Fucking pay them.
1: Right, and so one of the things that happens in the book is that it makes it very clear that McCormick believes, just gives a lot of, and this would be really appealing to people in the 1920s, because the background of the book is, again, Russia and the European powers are fighting over who gets to divide Mexico, right. and Mexico's like, we're not Fuck having Fuck you, it. yeah. Um, so there's a lot of socialists there there's communists there's a communist party in Mexico so he appeals to Dobbs and and um, Curtin right by giving we're all workers we're all brothers we're all going to work together and then it turns out he just screws them over. which
0: Yeah, which is, I, it's just wild mm. to me. Like, if you're going to fuck somebody, you've already fucked them by paying them $8 for a 16-hour day.
1: Oh, minus, in the book it mentions, minus $1.86 for the food. For the
0: food, yeah. No, they're being fed out there, so and this I is, think yeah, this is still happening. Oh, of
1: course it, <laughs> it is. It reminds me of the, the... This is
0: happening to migrant workers here yeah, in the United States We saw the documentary, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, they the, G- the denim thing. the, jeans right, the thing. denim thing. Thing. thing, where it's like... There yeah. are,
0: yeah, in China there are, and, right. and um, other countries, there are, yeah, mass Factories that are slaves, right? Slaves. And they're people are being charged, for
1: dinged for meals, dinged for housing, dinged for whatever. And then the factory just closes, and these people are out of work.
0: A lot of times, they're dinged for the tools that they need to do their goddamn job. Right. You need a new pair of scissors; it's coming out of your right pay. Like it's yeah. So the all capitalism's uh, fucked and broken. Can't wait to watch it burn to the ground. Probably be dead by then. Though. Uh, so, so they do beat the shit out of him, right?
1: And what's interesting also is that in the book they don't. Oh, and this is the difference. It's like in the book he's a fighter. He's a former pug himself. Yes, that feels right. You, and like I then, said,
0: he is he is ripping off tw- groups right. of twenty grown, laboring, desperate men at a time. And then going back to the town where he picked them up, dropping them off, and then disappearing into the uh, town. That town ain't that big, motherfucker. They're yeah. going to find you. You're going to have to. I guarantee you're strapped all of the time. Mm-hmm. And
1: you can fight. Right. And like, that's that's kind of what I like about this. Is the that one person he does pay is his fucking bodyguard. <laughs> <all right? laughs> the difference between the book and the film is that in the book, he's looking at these two guys going, I can take one of them out, but I can't take both of them out. So mm-hmm. he just winds up paying them. But that's not particularly cinematic. And John Huston, who... And this is one of the more realistic bar fights you'll see in a movie. Yeah, no, it is. Because John Huston had been in a few Mm -hmm. bar fights in his lifetime. When he was... God, also Huston, when he was 15, was was the top of his weight class as a Golden Gloves competitor, Uh I think. But... um, so yeah, it's, he does, that's not cinematic enough, so he does this big fight where they actually take the money from him.
0: Yes, they, they, but, but he gets his licks in, oh, they're yeah, both hurting afterwards, but they take the money out of his wallet, and then they leave him what they are not owed. Exactly. They take $300 off of them, which means I believe 150 apiece, they, mm-hmm. they went out on the same ferry, they came back on the same ferry, I presume their amount, money is the same, um, and with money take food taking out, it's right. probably a two-week period of time that they were out there. And they throw the rest of it down. So you're like, oh maybe he would just take what he went out for. Y'all know he wouldn't. Y'all know the fuck he wouldn't. Uh and then he goes back um and talks more to Howard and Howard's like we need like another we need six hundred dollars to, to really make a go of prospecting. They have together four hundred dollars. They've got the three hundred that Curtin and Dobbs have and I guess he has a well Howard has a hundred bucks or whatever. And all of a sudden, here comes Robert Blake, little Robert Blake going, you won the lottery, you won the lottery, $200, you won the lottery, $200. And I really thought, for a second, because it just seemed so fucking perfect, that they had paid this kid to come up and say that he was lucky. Right. And that he had won this money, and this was actually the money that they had just gotten off of the dude. But then he talks about how now they have $600, and I was like, no, I guess not. Yeah, I guess he really did just win that lottery, and that you know that also strikes Howard as yeah he's lucky. So I do want to go prospecting with him, right? Like there is that uh, superstition living there. So they get some, they get some horses and some,
1: and they get some, some burrows supplies. and yeah. some supplies, and they. Go up love,
0: into the Sierra Madre. <laughs> I love
1: the idea that in the beginning they're just like, well, you know, you're going to wind up carrying him. He's an old man, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, these are two Constantly guys who just too. worked in the sun, there's yep. roughnecks for 16 hours, and they think they have it all over him. But nope. this is an old guy who's been doing this his entire this is his life. His whole life, yeah. And so he just zooms ahead of them. Yeah, so like,
0: he's riding ahead of them. Right. They think they find gold. It's pyrite, y'all. That's fool's gold. Because you know what these two are? Fucking fools, yo! (laughs) They are dragging ass. They are hot as hell. They don't know what the fuck they're looking for. And then they get up to the top of the hill. Keep on going. Keep on climbing. Keep on climbing. Because they are seeing traces of it. He is seeing... Howard says he is seeing traces of it. But it's all being washed down. So we gotta go up to where it starts from. Mm -hmm. So they go up. And then they... Dig out a whole last mine. They build a fucking sluice. Like a whole yeah and i've seen these things and because we live in california i've seen i've seen up in gold country some of them are still up there they're (laughs) these things where you're running dirt through and getting the grains of gold not chunks of gold grains of gold Um, and they're gathering it together and they're keeping it all together and they're Sort of counting up what it's worth. And as they're counting up what it's worth, they're talking about how much they're kind of aiming at. And I'm like, y'all should have. This is like when you have the conversation about what to do when an alien gets on your ship and <coughs> after the alien's gotten on your ship. Like, y'all should have figured this shit out before. Because now you're all trying to decide what's happening in the midst of it and no good choices are going to be made. So they say, you know, Howard's like, I only need 5,000. The other two kind of settle on twenty five, but then they kind of keep want to keep going and get up to fifty, up to 100. they're like okay, a hundred. Let's go for a hundred thousand dollars worth of dirt. It looks like dirt, y'all. And y'all, here's the other part of it. This movie is in black and white. So it really just looks like fucking dirt, which made it super easy to fill my heads. I'm just like, I don't know if that's gold. I literally the whole time was like, Mm. is Howard fucking with them? Is this even really gold? Right. Spoiler alert, it doesn't actually matter in the end whether it is gold or just dirt. But also, really, gold dirt is just dirt. It doesn't have any intrinsic well, value. Something
1: hard is, a, <laughs> is also interesting in that he's wise. And part of the reason why he settles, or rather the reason why he's excited about the hunt rather than the discovery, is that he talks to one of the other people in the, in the, the, the flop house that he's in Yeah. about why gold is valuable. It's not valuable it's not because valuable. it's valuable of itself. Right. It's We've valuable decided. because of all the labor that we put into it. Well, and, and, and not and just and that; we, it's also
0: we've just decided that shiny things are pretty. Yeah. Same reason diamonds are valuable, right?
1: But his whole point was that's the reason why he doesn't. It, like I said, the hunting is what's interesting to him: finding it and mining it, and then later saying thank you to the mountain. That's mountains. where the value is in the first right. place, right? Yeah, that's what it is for him. That adventure yeah. is it for him, and so I think that's what keeps him sane. When you see these three different kinds of people, yeah, you see Howard, who's out there for the adventure, yeah. and then you see Dobbs, who's out there for the money because he's—it's his—the money is everything to him. It's his self-respect.
0: Yes, yeah, they—they they have a conversation
1: about what they're going to
0: do, what they do mm-hmm. with it, right? And Howard's just going to like buy some land and live quiet, like that's what he wants. Like that's right. literally all he says um Curtin wants to buy maybe like a ranch maybe some peaches he wants to get into fruit farming right because it reminds him of joy when he was a kid in the san joaquin valley valley um which i know some people who were kids in the san joaquin valley and fucking hate fruit so (laughs) it could go either way um they were also japanese Mm -hmm. laborers Rather than whatever he was. But he may have, I mean, as a kid, Mm -hmm. that might have been joyful. Dodd's first thing is like, I'm going to go, I'm going to buy the best fucking meal I've ever had, and then I'm going to buy 12 suits. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, why do you need 12 suits? Now, please understand that I'm coming from a place of privilege where I have two goddamn many clothes, but that's largely because... When I get depressed, I just buy new clothes instead of doing laundry. It's not an ideal situation, but nobody needs, and certainly not in 1925, right. 12 suits. You need four, maybe five. You can get those, that shit's cleaned. If they're all white, I guess maybe get 12 because <laughs> that shit shows dirt quick. <laughs> that seems you might interesting. Have to do a quick change in the middle of the day. Because
1: after that, one of them. Well, what about after that? Right. You the best dinner of your life. And they both sort of, both uh, Curtis, Curt- Curtin. Curtin, Curtin and Curtin. Dobbs <laughs> kind of stare off in their own separate directions. And Howard interrupts him and goes, fire you boys. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't talk or even think about women. It ain't good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because both of them are like I'm prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: like, <laughs> don't, don't. Well, we're not going to get there one. yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, right. And we are in the middle of nowhere and we're fixing to be here for months right. there is a point where the cave of course caves in or the mine of course caves in on them because they're three dudes building a whole ass mine Right. Um. and Curtin for one second is like Dodds inside mm-hmm. Curtin for one second is outside and then like turns away and he's like we don't have to divide it up by three right. I just leave him and he's like no I can't fucking do that and he goes in carries him out heals him up he's good and he says something, I, I don't think he offers him a, a part of a stake, but he does say, you know, a uh, uh, thanks that Curtin is like, fucking don't, just don't mm. thank me, because I did not. Right, I, I had a moment. My my first thought was not <laughs> altruistic. Um And we get to a point where the money becomes too much for the one baggie that they have, Mm -hmm. right? So they're going to divide it into thirds, they're measuring it out into thirds, and then each of them is going to stash their own wherever they see fit. They're going to hide it from each other. This is when the paranoia starts and they're like looking at each other. Why are you going to do this? Where are you going to do that? Stick your hand in there. There's a fucking Gila monster. (laughs) That was a funny
1: scene, (laughs) I think. is the Gila monster scene. So yeah,
0: Curtin sees a Gila monster go under a rock and he's going to go, ab- like, pull the rock a ab- butt off. Because right. um, he wants
1: to shoot the Gila monster. Right. He's like, this is going to bite us in our sleep. It's going to be It's going yes, right, to
0: be terrible. Right. Also, we could probably eat it, right? Possibly, yes, he can. Depending on, yeah. And uh, Dob sees him going to pull up the rock where his stash is mm-hmm. fucking stashed. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, there's a Gila monster in here, and I'm going to kill it. And he's like, I don't fucking believe you. And he goes, okay, stick your fucking hand in there, then. <laughs> You're again, so sure there's not a fucking evil monster in there. Stick one in there. Howard has be to intervene. Dead by right. dinner, motherfucker. But you go right ahead. Stick your hand in there. He doesn't. He doesn't.
1: No, watching the sense with which Bogart is slowly becoming He's more and more paranoid. Yes. And he starts talking to himself. He's talking to himself pretty right.
0: consistently in
1: front of the other ones, which
0: is wild. And nobody <laughs> like, does that to Fred Dobbs. talking <laughs> to yourself in this situation. There's mm-hmm. only two other men. You're out for months away from everybody. Mm-hmm. I can understand talking to yourself, but not in the presence of right. other people. Yeah. That, you need to write that shit in. So then they need some supplies. So they like, Curtin draws the short straw basically because Dobbs is like, Why do you want me to go out of fucking, why do you want really? me to go down there? Why are you, why are you sending me out of town? What's, what, what's wrong with you guys? Why, why don't one of you guys do it? And I'm like, Dude, shut the fuck out. So Curtin's like, Fine, I'll fucking do it. <laughs> like, whatever. And he goes down and he goes to the mercantile and he's, you know, buying 12 kilos of sugar and 12 kilos of flour and coffee and you know mm. basic staple shit Uh and he is seen by a dude named Cody who asks him what he's up to and he's like hunting bye <laughs> 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 and then because they had said we'll tell people we're hunting up here because A right. we don't have a claim we don't want to file a claim because if somebody already has it then we're not going to be able to be here but we want to be here because this is where the gold is Um, So we'll tell people, we'll camp a little ways down the hill, tell people that we're hunting, they might believe that. Nobody's going to believe that, though, it turns out. So, um, oh, we should say, on the way out, on the way down to this area, they were on a train that was beset upon by bandits, and the three of them and the guns that they carry did ward those and some soldiers, I guess. Or were yeah. they the soldiers that were they were her no, they, they brought a tra- another train up behind of soldiers. But um they did sort of stave off the bandits at that time. Those bandits led by Gold Hat.
1: He's played by Alfonso Vidoya. Yes. Who is in one of our favorite westerns. He plays Ramon. Big country in Big Country. Big country. The <laughs> only friend that um that Gregory Peck's character is able to make yeah. on this farm. Mm-hmm. And because he speaks Spanish to him, or he That's understands right. enough, and they, they break a horse together in one of the funniest scenes in a Western. Yeah. Which is, it's a great scene. I never yeah. really watched Big Country.
0: Uh, and so, so Curtin heads back up the mountain, and they're having dinner at the camp and he's like and he definitely is following me and he'll definitely be here any minute and, and then how it's like what makes you think he followed you and carton's he like because he's right
1: fucking there <laughs> it was a, i thought it was really fun that yeah was a, no it was
0: really good because i was like yeah he's
1: definitely because he's there fun. right he's looking at us right and now. he
0: basically comes up and he's like i know y'all ain't hunting because i ain't shit out here to hunt mm-hmm. even though they do have some hides like right. the cover there's nothing out here to hide. Though they do keep talking about tigers, I had asked you, I was like, What tigers so, live in Mexico?
1: There are no tigers <laughs> as such in Mexico. <laughs> right. These are the not striped tigers. Um, gets related to the big cats that are in Mexico, which are Jaguars, oh. Pumas, oh. Ocelots, and margays. And what? margays? I don't know what those are. Would they be puffies? They are um, Let's see. The can... Ocelots are a little fluffy. Well, it's like an ocelot.
0: Yeah. Ocelot.
1: Barbara. Ooh, but it looks like a tiger. Right. It's got stripies. So that's So I it. was
0: wrong. There are stripies.
1: <laughs> but the jaguar also, the Mexican jaguar does, when you look at it, especially its collar, it does look a lot like a, a Sure, tiger.
0: up here, yeah, but yeah. spots down here. Spots on its body, stripes on its neck. And uh, so then he's like, okay, well, so you have three options. You can kill me. You can take me as a partner, mm-hmm. or you can shoot me off.
1: Shoot me off, I think is two, and then number three is like, it's, yeah. and he lays it out very and intelligently. He, he,
0: he says, "Kill me, shoot me off, or or take me as a partner." He's like, "If you kill me, first of all, y'all have to actually kill me. Mm-hmm. Do you guys really want to fucking kill me? Probably not." Um. Uh, and he says something like, "Um, a you're probably not a murderer. You'd have to live with that forever. That's." Right. That's tough. so. You guys would all have to. It would have to be like a three of you at the same time. Because if not, murder on, murder on the Orient Express or at two brute Like a, like everybody takes a shot, and so nobody knows who kills. And
1: that way, because, because this, otherwise, you're also right, you're always in the debt to the other two people. They yep. always have it hanging over your head. Hanging over your head. They can and, turn you and, into, and you guys got right. a lot of
0: money on the line. So what makes them not want to turn you in, so that they have to split with fewer well, people and all of that?
1: We've so. already seen earlier in the film how the federales handle crime
0: here's how the federales do it <laughs> right. they say they say they're like you've got this figured out you br- you make the convict go out to the cemetery you make them dig and when they've dug a hole deep enough then you fucking shoot them in it and then, and then bury them it it over right and that is what they did so, and it yeah. was effective and we will see it happen later in the movie um two you could run me off but mm-hmm. i'm going to go to the fucking like Right, because There's they, very little chance very I do go on, and
1: narc on you. Howard says we're not going to make a claim out here. Yes, because no. the minute we make a claim, there will be a big mining company who can right. say you didn't have the right to dig here in the first place. Yes. We're buying up this claim yeah, and yeah, we're yeah. buying this judge to tell us mm-hmm. to let us do this. So he's very yeah. or somebody already has the claim, right? Which is entirely possible, but you don't
0: you don't ask. Mm. You're asking for forgiveness, not permission. It's way right. easier. Um, so three. Take me on as a partner. Mm-hmm. I won't take I don't want anything you've already done. I just want a part of what you, from here on yeah. out, that I help with, which is it's and pretty how it's like reasonable. That, that makes a lot of sense to right. me. If he came in here trying to take the half of the or a quarter of the money that we've already got or the quarter of the gold that we've mm-hmm. already got, I'd have a fucking problem with it. But it's another set of hands. Presumably we will get be getting more. Right. And so we can split it by four. Like Howard, that's where Howard's at. Dobbs of course is like, nah, bucket, let's kill him. Kill him, let's kill him. All of us. One, two, three. And Go Curtin ahead. is like has to be the tiebreaker and he's like kill him. Which is not what his heart says, I don't think. But I, can I think Dobbs' whole face situation
1: is like, everything.
0: Um, this motherfucker's going to kill me if I say split it. So right. I got to, like, yeah. mitigate some danger. So they go up, guns drawn, Cody's like, ah, oh, I see you've chosen option number one. It's right. Just, or, no. Kill him was number one. Oh, kill him. Right. Kill him was the first keep option. Keep him as
1: number three. Right.
0: Yes, keep him and, and, right. and do the split is number three. Which, it was really only those two options. You can't run him off because he is going to narc on right. you and then your whole shit's gone. And if you don't have what you want, mm-hmm. just follow him down the mountain. Which also could have been an option, but they that wasn't for them, I guess. I didn't know how much they had at that time. Uh, they see, you know, he's like, well, uh those bandits are coming like right now and they will hear your gun so that's going to be an interesting situation for y'all to deal with after you've killed me and they're like oh fuck <laughs> so it is gold hat and his bandits and they are coming up the mountain um and they have enough time to tear down the their camp mm-hmm. to come back down like they get everything sort of hidden away and packed away. They get the burrows off into like a thicket over into the side. Like there's enough they're far enough away and they're fucking they're high enough on the mountain that's a pain pain in the ass enough to get up there that they've got like a couple of hours. Right. So they do all this stuff. Cody's involved in this. He's helping them. And he, he, oh, he's keeping watch. Is what he's doing. He's watching them come up the hill. And he says where they are and they're and once they get everything torn down, then they're sort of. Hunkered into this like little area where they can kind of ambush or at least hide one of the two. um He's like, "Well, it's about what we can do. We got about an hour till like, they get here. We might as well eat." So they invite right. him to come down, and they eat. They all eat together, and then they get themselves behind these rocks. And then the bandits come up. The bandits al- alert them and say where the federal is. At which point,
1: right? Where are your badges? Now this is interesting. So in the book, <laughs> mm-hmm. the line goes, All right, Curtin shouted back, if you're police, wear your badges. Let's what? see them. And Goal Hat says, Badges? To goddamn hell with your badges. We have no badges. We don't, in fact, we don't need badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges, you goddamn cabron. Y chinga tu madre. This is a- <laughs> for those of you who know the spanish language that's really rough right so this obviously was not going to pass the haze could at all
0: yes no that's the um, um the directive motherfucker right exactly it's not just calling you a motherfucker telling you what and when to do uh or and, when, who to do and the
1: line in the film because he could not do that as much as he would love to
0: he says i want to say what he says." right Badges, we ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges, right. <laughs> which is good. It's a good line. Right. And, and we have condensed it down to the we don't need no stinking badges <laughs> right. line, right? But I like what he says better because he is escalating.
1: He's like, right like badges <laughs> right. the fuck
0: are you talking about badges do you see where we are motherfucker it's a very sam jackson explanation. Right. it's a very good line reading of course then there's fight 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 cody does get killed oh i guess they
1: don't have to kill him. and they him. don't they don't know that he's dead until the end yes. and like dobbs is the one who finds him and is like you know he's Dobbs has these moments of understanding that he's done something wrong. hmm And this yeah, is he before gets, he gets tips into a situation it. and mm. can't reason. Right, just, just like acts his, on his reptile brain takes and when he's out of it, he's like,
0: ooh. It's almost like an alcoholic who's blacking right. out, but he's not. No. It's just his id taking over his body for a little while, and then his superego going, um...
1: We have to live with what you write <laughs> <did. laughs> And there's a moment afterwards when they go through things to try to find... They go through his stuff because right. they're going to take his stuff because y'all, we loot bodies in the... No, 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 no. The, no, no and West. it's not so much in this case, they're trying to find out They're who trying to find, find out
0: he is, yeah,
1: right. And then they find out he has a wife.
0: Yeah, that he's down letters. here,
1: he's legitimately right. down here to try
0: and make money for his family, which is and what they're all doing, but they a don't kid. have family. right. Um and at which point Howard's like, I'm gonna give him Oh, that was Curtin. Oh, he said was that cur- and then
1: Howard agrees with him. And Howard like, yes. agrees with
0: him. He says, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a part of my money right. to his family because this is fucked. And we're still digging. Like at this point they're still on the up of right. what they're gonna make. So yeah, I'll dig a little extra, I'll get some money to his family. It's literally the fucking least I can do. We didn't kill him, but we were just fucking about to. Like, let's not forget that if those bandits weren't coming up the mountain when they were coming up the mountain, we had our guns drawn on this motherfucker. So we are not in any way innocent. We were about
1: to murder him.
0: Yeah. And Howard's like, yeah, no, I definitely agree with you, and I definitely want to give you some money too. And Dobbs is like, nope, I'm going to go ahead and opt out of that. Thanks. I will not be paying this shit forward. Um, And that's kind of when you know he's like... He's in the full Moby Dick mode. He's in the full Captain Ahab. Yeah. He's totally. Um, I feel like. Willem Dafoe and Rob Pattinson must have, watched. I mean, a lot of people watch this movie. Yeah. it's 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 used like every director is like this is like my favorite movie. Spike Lee's like everybody who wants to direct should watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. What did I see? Stanley Kubrick lists it as his fourth favorite film of all time. Sam Raimi ranks it as his favorite film of all time. Paul Thomas Anderson watches it the night before bed. Uh, at night at night before bed while writing There Will Be Blood. And Spike Lee lists it as one of the 87 films every aspiring director should see. Like, right. this is a director's director, like film, but also yeah. the, the spiral that Bogart embodies and is and not nominated for... We cool? Yeah, we're cool because this isn't plugged in. Oh, okay. uh, Yeah, so we'll
1: be fine. Sorry, our lights just flickered in a real ominous way. Um, But yeah, Bogart, when he was, he didn't, he wasn't too fond of any of his films. He was always criticizing his performances, criticizing this or that. And whenever he was asked about this film, he'd go, that one wasn't so bad. Which was his, like, tacit agreement. Yeah. That was a, a great moment that he was able to bring out in in this particular film he didn't have to play the hero he didn't have to play the villain like his early career he was playing somewhere in between both of them who sinks into yes. this sort of level of... and it
0: is very much a spiral because right. he comes up out of it and then drops further down and then comes right. up out of it and then drops further down it's like yeah. um like a spiral <laughs> like he's not he and he can't keep himself out of it and he starts Really deteriorating. Um, and then at one point, um, the indios, the mm-hmm. vill- the native, uh, people
1: come. They're just as silent in this film as they were in the <laughs> in the wild bunch. They just show up. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Just like, oh,
0: now they're here. And, 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 wonder... and there's a sick, ch- now this part I was in and out of, out uh-huh. for, for whatever reason. And it's because I was high, y'all. <laughs> um, so there's a sick child in the mm-hmm. village. Howard goes to help, does help, and then is like, revered like a damn god he goes back as a medicine man later, uh-huh. later right so he goes back to 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 his compatriots
1: but they're like no no no, you need to come right the villagers <laughs> come looking for them and i think that there is a direct line between the two movies because the shot of them looking up from the fire dogs yeah. and his companions and seeing the indios in their white suits with yes. the machetes yeah. Is almost exactly the same shot same, that we get the wild in, the bunch, wild in the wild lunch, So yeah. I think that was that was probably a direct correlation the I mean the two scenes. I we know Right, that he loved this movie he, too. Yeah. Everyone did. So yeah. But um but yeah, they they invite him in, he saves the kid. He says the kid was suffering mostly from shock rather than actual drowning. There's no water in his lungs. But as Dobbs and Walt, uh, and Curtin and Walt um Walter. Walter, Howard, Howard, are <laughs> going to leave. The Indians come back and stop them and go, no, no, like, no, 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 we need you here. We need you here. And Dobbs, that's a really funny scene because he comes out and says, no, no, no we're not going to do it. We're not going to stay here. Savvy. And they're like, we don't want you to. We want Sabby. him. That's right. He says
0: savvy. I'm like, does he mean sabe? Like, does he <laughs> Sabis, mean you, like, you understand, yeah. you know, like. What savvy? But, what yeah. are you doing, sir? And he's like, "Well, I go, I'm gonna go. I'm go. clearly right. I'm gonna go. They have machetes. Like they <laughs> outnumbered us, and I'm gonna go. Also, they're gonna treat me like a fucking king, so it's not too bad. I'll meet up with you in Durango." So he trusts them with his right. So he trusts them with his money mm-hmm. or his, you know, his cut. And they've got about a hundred thousand dollars in dust, y'all. It is dirt in pouches. That's what it is. That's what it fucking looks like. Doesn't look like gold. It is not shiny, mm. and it is covered in pelts, because they need to kind of right. have a, like a cover as they're coming down out of these mountains. So Howard goes off and says, I'll see you in a couple of weeks or whatever in Durango. And then Dobbs continues to spiral, and it's very much like the lighthouse is what I was talking mm. about. Pattinson and okay. Defoe from in the lighthouse really feel like Dobbs to
1: me.
0: right? Curtin's a little paranoid, but he's also like aware of what the fuck is happening with his friend and is like, I'm in danger. I'm in danger. And eventually he is so in so much danger that Dobbs does come out and shoot him two times. Not just once. Double tap. So he meant it. (laughs) Right. He (laughs) He shoots him in the shoulder and
1: it looks like across the back of the head like he just misses him. Yeah.
0: And uh, he's able to crawl away, and then Dobbs goes back to camp, goes to sleep, wakes up the next morning, and is like, Ugh, I should probably fucking go bury him. And he's like, Ugh, that seems like a lot of work. I'll let the buzzards do it. And he's like, I should probably take his clothes. And then he's like, Oh no, buzzards. They're not circling yet, but buzzards right. will know, becomes, let somebody know that right. somebody's here. <laughs> so he has a full on fucking like uh, telltale heart situation right. where he's like, I can't. Meanwhile, y'all, Curtin has crawled away and been taken to safety by the Native people mm-hmm. to Howard, the medicine man. Well, by the way, at this now, point,
1: being stroked by lovely maidens and eating pineapple. juices, <laughs> right. laying in a fucking hammock, yeah. his <laughs> life is
0: noise. <laughs> and so Curtin is like, "You shot you man. <laughs> Howard's like, yep, yep, that seems right. Um, and then... We're, uh, so he's he tends to curtain, but curtain's mm-hmm. going to be fine. And then we see Dobbs, and he is struggling because he's got, like, seven fucking burrows. Right. Just himself, in the hot, not enough water, struggling, falling, struggling, falling. He finally find, finds, he sees a city pretty close, and then he sees a water hole, and he, like, falls face first into it, and I was like, that's going to give you dysentery, but that's, you're very thirsty, and I get it. So he's in the watering hole next to him, burrow, burrow. They're thirsty, too. Uh, And then he hears, jump, jump, jump. And who do we see? (gasps) Gold hat. And they have a little altercation. And then gold hat's like, I think I know you. (laughs) And I was just like, nah. (laughs) You don't know me. I don't know you. Nobody knows nobody. But I'll hire you to help me with my burrows. And I'll pay you two pesos. When we get to the city, and I can offload these right. pelts, and he's like, "Nah, I know you." And he's like, "Badges." <laughs> and then they do straight fucking murder our main character. This is <laughs> I was really? like, oh, so fuck just
1: <laughs> This is interesting too. Apparently,
0: I've never seen a movie where the main <laughs> fucking character are quote unquote protagonist who yes is indeed the villain of the film. Is
1: killed in the Apparently movie. Apparently the film, and this goes back to your, your uh, moment about the Haze Code, mm. he was decapitated like in the book. Because this is what it's, happens. He's killed off screen. Right. We see
0: him pulled aside and we hear a scuffle and mm. we hear him fall.
1: We don't see it. Right, we see Golhat with his There's machete. There's not even
0: shadow because right.
1: in silhouette. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's also not and apparently.
0: Yes, the machete comes down.
1: Right, and you hear. <laughs> and apparently, there was a very brief shot of Humphrey Bogart's head rolling bounce, bounce. into the. Oh no! Into the, into the, the puddle water hole. Right. Which oh. just follows the water, and mm. the boys are like, "Thanks a lot." jackass. Yeah, thanks, fucker.
0: <laughs> they, they, Burroughs don't call other things jackass. They, I think, they well, find not Well, they're not jackasses
1: themselves. <laughs> but, but anyhow, um, that was, like, apparently that was shot. It did not survive that first cut. The the, the um, Of the bouncing uh, right. Bogart? Yeah, no. We the studio's like, no, we can't do that. Um, but, yeah, that, it's interesting that he went so far as to go, no, I'm going to shoot this. I know that it probably won't make it in there, but
0: yeah, and then. Sorry. And then they take his boots and his furrows, and outside of the town, they are just going through his stuff to see what they got, and they dump
1: all that gold
0: all over the And they're
1: assuming that he has these pelts.
0: They thought he was using it as weight to offset the weight of the pelts to make them seem more valuable, or to make them more valuable. Because I guess you do pelts in ounces? Like, that seems crazy to me. I feel like you lay it out, and that is what you are paying, but I don't
1: know. But Um, the bandits also have a mistake. They go back into the town, and they run into not only a very smart kid who recognizes them, but also the same guy who sold the burrow's Yes, in the first place. Two yes, two Dobbs.
0: Right, they're wearing Dobbs's boots, and the burros have the same very distinctive
1: brand branding. Yes, and that's when they're like, oh, "Okay, no, no, you rob these and the shoes off a guy," and yep. they
0: and so they're reported right. to the federales, and the federales do make them dig those graves <laughs> and do kill them, um, and so that
1: is I like the last little bit end. of character you get for Gold Hat. In that the wind blows his hat off and he wants to get one he put, his, he hat on, he put his, hat, his hat on, he wants to die with his hat off. Yes, <laughs> and then the minute he dies, off screen, of course, the hat just sort of the wind blows the hat right over the open grave, like, no, you don't get to keep and it. You don't get <laughs> to keep it.
0: And then Howard and Curtin finally come down mm-hmm. and as they're coming down, there's a huge dust storm. You know what's blowing into their fucking faces? All their gold. Right, exactly. One hundred thousand dollars in in
1: 1925
0: worth of gold and they find out what happened um i think no they are told they are told back in the indian village i think that dobbs was killed
1: and that the they're told told in the village not the indian village they came from that oh i thought
0: that they knew when they were coming down they, that they, that, that like, it had happened, and they like were trying. Seems, they were like, "Well, let's mm. go see if we can get his stuff," because they right. say he, they said they're like, "Well, they he was killed by bandits.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They've taken
1: right. And they left it in the ruins outside the city.
0: Right, right. But they've also taken control of the like the burrows are there, mm-hmm. the pelts are there. Presumably, the dirt, the dirt right. that is so valuable is there, but it is not because they have been dumping them out looking for i don't know what and then it has been mixed with all of the dust that was blowing and blowing yeah and so they find in these ruins yeah bags empty bags then howard just starts fucking laughing and kern is like the fuck are you laughing at and he's like it's all for nothing <laughs> <laughs> it's all it can fucking hard come easy goddamn go right. this is ironic as shit and we've just been driving we didn't even know but as we're coming down this hill all of our gold is pelting us in our fucking faces right. and uh it's fucking ironic as shit this is uh rain on your wedding day motherfucker. <laughs> like, and he's like but you know what i'm gonna go back with these people they're gonna be uh, treating me like a medicine man i'm gonna be taken care of until i'm dead right Take these pelts, take these burrows, take the money that you can, uh, go up to Cody's family in Texas, and I heard it, and by the time you get there, it might be peach season. Just do your fucking best. Which brought me back to, there there was a, we talked about it earlier, but I don't think we talked about it on the show. There's a scene early where he, where Dobbs and Curtin are talking, and they're talking about as a white man in Mexico, it's or in this right. town, it's impossible to survive because like, you know, if I was if I wasn't white, I'd just go buy some boot black and set up shop doing shoe shining. Right. I'd be able to support myself on that. But because I'm white the white men who are buying the shoe shining will not pay me and would not respect me and I'd be hassled by the Mexicans. So this is a really hard place for me to be unemployed and poor. Then he may, then he ends up getting $350, which in 1925 will get you to literally fucking anywhere you want to go. You might not have any money left when you got there, but he could get across the fucking border. You could do what you just said in El Paso. Set up a shoe shine business. Go for it. No? You want to go dig for gold and buy 12 suits instead? Like, come the fuck on, dude.
1: Like, what are you looking for out here? The lottery. did play lottery. Do you want me to read you the part where, because I have the quote. Yeah. Okay, so Dobbs says, um, You know, if I was a native, I'd get me a can of shoe polish and I'd be in business. They'd never let a gringo. You can sit on a bench until you're three quarters starved. You can beg from another gringo. You can even commit burglary. You try shining shoes on the street, peddling lemonade out of a bucket, and you've had and your hash is settled. You never get another job for an American. And then Curtin goes, "Yeah, and some of the natives uh, would hound and pest you to death." And that's when they go, "Well, that's some town to be broken." And that's Tampico. Yeah. And it 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 is that notion that there's jobs that are beneath Americans that they're not going to do here. And
0: well, it's not that they're not going to do them. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be able to do them. Right, well, because the people that they would be selling their wares to are other expats and they're not going to buy from a white man.
1: That's the idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just the notion that you've fallen so far, look at you. But we it's cool to beg anymore. off
0: of them? Like, it's it's wild. Right. And also, you have $350. I promise you could get across the Rio for $350. But what Dobbs, what we saw, their
1: motivation is... Curtin wants to go back to his nostalgic Yeah, childhood. Well uh Howard, Howard just wants to wants to he wants the the good life for the rest of his life, and he has it now, so he doesn't care about money necessarily. And then you have Dobbs who just wants more. And more and more. And he just he he won't give up on it. He wants And to he have doesn't even really
0: want any like he, beyond good meal new clothes, sex, mm-hmm. he doesn't even, right, he he's can't not even head about it, huh? say what he wants right. other than that. So let's say into The Treasure of the Sarah Madre. I don't know if it's a thriller. You don't think so? I don't know. It had filling parts. But I don't, and it wasn't even like a slow burn, it's definitely a character study, like Western is rough for me, Uh but I understand why you would also call it a Western, because in a Western, you expect to see dirty men in hats outside in something that looks like the desert, and that is definitely what this movie is.
1: The level of commitment from Bogart and Holt and Houston and everyone involved is really high, and it reminds me of films like uh, a film that we'll be seeing later, Lawrence of Arabia, where you're literally Mm -hmm. out there in the desert for three months And you're only bathing once a week because your water resources are limited. And you have all these scenes to get through. Um,
0: Um, I'm looking at the list of awards. It's very cute that Walter won for Best Supporting mm -hmm. and John won for Best Screenplay and Best Director. Um, I don't... uh, uh, Bogart was not nominated. Oh, it's a pity. (laughs) Um, uh, He was nominated... It won the Golden Globe Best Picture Supporting Actor and Director. Um, It won... You see, here's the thing. Writers Guild of America, it was nominated Best Written American Drama and Mm. Best Written American Western, and it won the Western and not the drama. Mm. So maybe that's why it is considered a Western, but they even consider it not necessarily Mm. strict genre.
1: I think the best that you can say, really, is that it is an adventure story. It is an adventure story. That you can say. It is say a character story. Right.
0: Um. Yeah, it definitely gives me vibes of the lighthouse
1: mm-hmm.
0: and just the spiraling of uh, isolation. Right. Less so, because that's the thing, like, surface level, it's about greed. Roger Ebert goes further and says it's not just about greed, it's also about character, and I would agree with that. Yes,
1: because, again, what's the? F- we know from the beginning that there's something wrong with Dobbs. He does stuff like he gives the engineer back what he's... He doesn't want to take what doesn't belong to or what him. What doesn't belong to him. Right, but at the same time... But he's got a fucked up idea of what belongs to him. When Robert Blake's little kid comes by, he literally throws water in his face and tells him to get lost. He... He says, yeah, "If you don't
0: go away, I'm going to throw this here's water Here's guy in your with face. a mean
1: streak, though.
0: Yes, no, he definitely does have and a mean streak. And so,
1: as you're watching him go along, you're watching that mean streak sort of accumulate. So there were hints in the very beginning that he was capable of really weird stuff, like what he once he felt justified, he could do just about anything. Yeah,
0: that's Bogart encountered a critic while leaving a New York nightclub mm-hmm. before filming and he said, wait till you see me in my next picture. I play the worst shit you ever saw. <laughs> right. Which is a break away from what he had been right. playing. Um, and I think it's probably I mean, he got to, he's so good in this. I'm surprised he wasn't nominated. Right. Um, it may be a point where it was like, we can't nominate him again, or something similar to that. I also don't know who else was nominated. That. It might have just been yeah. a fucking bananas ear.
1: That happens sometimes.
0: So, uh, But he's very good. Also, it is. You know what's thrilling about this movie? They kill the main character. And it's not the final shot of the film. mm that, that happened and I was like, this movie has to be almost over, right. right? Because the
1: fuck? Yeah.
0: How do we open on him and close on fucking somebody else? That's
1: and wild. I love that kind of storytelling where you can just take a sudden turn. I, um, When I was at Yosemite, we had a a sick friend who was confined to staying in a hotel room most of the time. Okay. And they had TCM. So I got them to watch The Leopard Man, the Val Lewton film, which has no main character. And they're looking at me like, wow, this is weird. This is a very strange way to tell a story. I'm like, yeah, the good ones can do stuff like that. Oh, I'm
0: seeing there's been controversy since the 1949 ceremony because of the Academy's choice not to nominate Bogart for the Academy Award for Best Actor, a choice that modern critics and Academy members have since condemned. Bogart's performance has been named the best of his career. Mm-hmm. I can't click on anything because you don't have internet. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that that's true. I think mm-hmm. he's quite good. I haven't seen all of his stuff. I've seen Tuesday. a lot of
1: his stuff, and... Although there are times when he's able to approach this part, the problem is that he is too sympathetic and often too much the hero to be able to do this kind of. Part yeah, again. no,
0: he's he's an ass all the way through. Right, um, and he is wrong. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Like, but I yeah, I, and I think that it's a strong choice to not say what the fuck right. he was doing in Mexico in the fucking first place. Because we don't know. He's just broke in Mexico.
1: I That's that, all we know. I think that the whole idea of starting with him, focusing exclusively on him in the beginning, yep, really does get you to identify with him to the point to where... When he starts spiraling, you want him to put on the brakes going, what are you doing? Yeah, you're
0: like, fucking remember who you were at the beginning? Right. You were okay. You weren't great,
1: but you were okay. It reminds me, I think, to, although in a much lesser degree, when Harrison Ford is being the villain in What Lies Beneath, I think. Yeah.
0: like, is it the one the What Lies Beneath? One? Right. Yeah. And it's just... Where, the or, first time I saw that movie, mm-hmm. I was like, but it can't be Harrison Ford because that's Harrison right. Ford and he is not the villain.
1: Period. Or and you're watching. Discussion. And I, I, I think the two of them have a relationship, those two as actors. There's oh, yeah. a relationship between them. I
0: could see that. Yeah. There's um, a gruffness to both of them, like a begrudging good guy ness. Right. To both they they don't them. want
1: to, but yeah, this is what we have to do. Yeah. It's like it's nagging at him that he has to do something decent. They probably
0: are both stoned all the time. Right. But, I mean, we know Harrison
1: Ford is. But um, also, The Mosquito Coast is another one where Harrison Ford plays a villain who starts I've out... I've never seen it, yeah. It's a very good film. And it's it's Sean,
0: Conner- Sean Connery in that no, one? No. No, okay.
1: Mosquito Coast is with a very young river phoenix. Oh. And, well, there's
0: no such thing as not a very young river no, phoenix, sadly. That's a pity. But, that wasn't yeah.
1: a joke. It came out like a joke. It wasn't a joke. He also goes through a downward spiral where he starts by trying to get his kids away from the bad influences and from... And he's also making this character kind of likable but then you realize that the further the story goes along he's a bigot Uh these other things and then he gets his characters his family down to South America and he starts telling them well there's a war and there's been a nuclear war and you're Oh,
0: and it's a, so he's just now he's gaslighting and manipulating right. so that he can control whatever right, is exactly. happening. Right,
1: exactly. And okay. it's it's a very. You know, interesting. I I can't watch that very easily. It makes my stomach hurt. Right, but it's a very interesting performance. And it's the same thing when you're watching the guy who's you're like, but you're the standup you're hot guy is like, wait a second, what's he?
0: Excuse me, Indy. What <laughs> right.
1: are you
0: doing? Yeah. Okay. So that's Treasure of Sierra Madre. And thrilling. I thought it was
1: thrilling, by the It is thrilling. I, it was very thrilling to
0: me. Uh, it. It's very good. I liked it more than I thought I was going to. Not that I didn't think I was going to, but I didn't know. I've never watched it before. I didn't mm-hmm. know really anything about it other than Western, and I'm going to... I mean, that term is loose at this point.
1: When If we ever do more Westerns, you'll discover just how wide a we definition will. Westerns I'm are. I'm going to scroll down and see. There's science fiction Westerns, There's which fall into the category of weird Cassidy
0: Westerns. the Sundance Kid. That's right. a
1: very different... That's a very different take on Westerns.
0: Um, I'm just scrolling down to see what other Westerns we've got in the pipeline. That might be it... High Noon. Oh, I love that movie. We'll see High Noon. I know we've seen that before. Um, you made me watch it. Uh, I, I'm grateful to you because I liked it a lot. So I think those are the westerns that we have related. They they stayed in the top of this particular mm-hmm. list. So next week, next week we're going to take a hard left turn. We're going to watch 1990s, 19 nope 1999's The Matrix by okay. the Wachowskis, uh, starring everybody's fucking favorite and if he's not your favorite you're wrong keanu reeves (laughs) um and we're going to talk about that next week in the meantime i believe it's on hbo max Mm -hmm. if you still have hbo max which i haven't canceled it yet but i'm close uh in the meantime do you have anything you wanted to recommend actually
1: I, i i just thought of this for those in the audience who are not familiar with the work of John Huston, okay. it might be a good opportunity to sort of, to take a look at the kinds of movies that he did. Okay. Because he had a very two. Give me l- two. Two. Um, oh, good Lord. That's hard. I think... Give me two without IMDb. Because you're right. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, three. You could do three. Uh, I liked um, his adaptation of Moby Dick. Okay. Which was not a popular success at the time. Which is
0: this... Y- also, Dobbs reminded me very much of an Ahab. Right. He didn't know what he was chasing, but he was chasing it to the point of well, insanity. in the very
1: beginning, he's looking at the golden man's palm and how shiny it is, and that just that turns him over. But um, but yeah, Houston was, and it's interesting watching YouTube videos where they're going. He was a great actor and a director. It's like no, he was. A director who acted on at, at times.
0: Was he in Chinatown?
1: He was the villain in Chinatown. That's what I thought. I think that's the first time I ever saw him.
0: <laughs> or like knew right. he, like the first experience with John Houston that I ever had. Of him I, I know that like his kids I <laughs> have interacted right, with who, his kids. Angelica
1: Houston? Yes. Uh Danny Houston. Yes. Who's everywhere now. He it's is like,
0: yeah, no, there's a real right. come up on the Danny Houston front. Yeah, he started
1: sure. as a director, and he then also moved into. Uh, there's there. I remember at the time he was directing an adaptation of uh, Mr. North. Yeah, and uh, and mm, his name just escaped me. Give me a hint, and I uh, can help. Kate Fear the original. Robert Mitchum. Oh, I'm like the actor? Right.
0: <laughs> or the director, because well, I can't help you with the director.
1: Robert Mitchum. Mitchum um did a perfect, like a spot on John Houston impersonation. Uh-huh. Saying, Well, I needed to shoot this movie for my kid, but I'm not up to it. Can you can you pitch it for me? Like, you know. So
0: he called in Robert Mitchum to help right. Danny's on uh, Danny's film. Interesting. But he's a he apparently, and what some, a pinch hitter! God damn. <laughs> right. Honestly, I'd be like, "Sorry, Dad,
1: this is better." <laughs> like, I'm not gonna lie. He's Robert. goddamn damn pinch. Like, <laughs> right, and he apparently, John Houston. There's a film that he did with Orson Welles um, near the end of Orson Welles' life that wasn't actually edited together when he was completed, where Orson did a very meta film about a director who's having trouble getting his film done.
0: Is that the one that just came out like two years ago? Yeah, it was on. It's
1: on Netflix. Yeah. And apparently, I thought, how the hell did these two guys get along? Well, I. And bet. apparently, they loved each other. They were
0: so comfortable right. inside of themselves that they would have gotten. I think they would have gotten along right. really well because they would have understood. Oh, that dude's fucking crazy in these ways, right. and he's fucking good with it. Yeah. And, and, and he's not, put like, I don't think either of them were abusive. I, well, Wells was difficult, but I don't think abusive towards the general public. Like no, they Wells was <laughs> really
1: good with actors. Yes. Gave hell to producers apparently all the time. fucking good. He found out that <laughs> his his room was being tapped. I'm trying to remember which, but I think this is for lady from Shanghai. Uh-huh. He found out that Harry Cohn or one of the producers had his room tapped. And so he would get up in the morning and speak directly into the microphone and do a radio program every morning on set. Just prepping for (laughs) work. You know, because again, he did, he was 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 the voice
0: of radio, right. He was a whole, he was like three creatives smushed into one body. And apparently Houston. He would create, I think, very similarly to somebody like Clive Barker, who's like, oh yeah, I've painted... A million paintings, as well as writing a million books, because I can't fucking stop.
1: And if you want to see Moby Dick, if you want to see Night of the Iguana, which is a very strange movie, it's based on a Tennessee Williams play, and it's about as Tennessee Williams as you can get. So super gay. Very, it's like there's a...
0: Extra super (laughs) shiny gay. Sorry, I love the Glass Menagerie.
1: (laughs) The hard. This cast is amazing. Richard Burton plays an alcoholic former minister who is now running tours into Mexico for her. For the is this just so he go back to Mexico? Well, he actually wound up buying a house in Mexico. Yep. As a result, <laughs> and as as a matter of fact, one of the reasons we have Acapulco is because of John Houston. Oh, interesting. He shot Night of the Iguana there, and it's like it's a sleepy little town. Guess what? Yeah, he did not like what the happened to Night of the Mexicans
0: are not. <laughs> excited by that, and I'm a little bit sorry.
1: But he went... I'm
0: kind of a lot sorry. I mean, I don't have any control over Houston. Richard Burton
1: is this (laughs) alcoholic minister who... former minister who then drives a bus to this tourist location. It's on the edge of a cliff. It's really interesting. And he runs into two women, Ava Gardner, who runs the institution... And Deborah Carr.
0: Yeah, Ava Gardner
1: blends an institution. I'm sorry. Um, she does. And <laughs> Have
0: we ever seen she her? She
1: plays a very. It's not fair to make her smart. Please stop making her smart. She's very funny in this movie, though, because. Oh, because, of course, she is. Right. She's very funny. <laughs> and she fair. does this thing where. I mean, some of the language when I was a kid watching this was like, because uh, there's a young woman who falls in love with Richard Burton's character and just becomes obsessed with him. Yeah. And there's an older woman from the same religious group, because he gets church groups mm-hmm. out there, who just is really violently angry at the girl for falling in love with Richard Burden and for Richard Burden for, for not, I mean, he doesn't encourage her in any way. He's trying to physically run away from her at times. And... Uh, I'll never forget. I don't love that trope, though, because... Well, she also has some serious issues. Women
0: there. can sexually assault men. It's possible. It's not um, cute or who I wish. Mm-mm, stop it. But stop
1: it. There's one point where the older woman is just complaining about how, um, how awful Richard Burton's been and how he's... He's spoiling the mind of this young woman, even though he's not doing anything directly. He's absolutely directly. not. Right. And Eva Gardner just turns to her and says, Lady, you know what happens when the dykes aren't maintained in Texas? And she looks at her she says, The dykes in Texas. And it was the first time he was able to get that word. She called her a lesbian? Right. And then oh. the fact that you heard This word, but so are we, are we then to understand that she wanted Ava Gardner? No, no, she this older woman want, was like infatuated with this young girl and just oh, horribly the, the, angry, not Ava right. right?
0: Okay, I I, I mm-hmm. didn't realize there was a third girl that right. was my problem. That
1: was the young woman who's in love with Richard Burton.
0: I thought that was Ava Gardner, no, that was my no, girl. Ava Gardner okay. at this, so this point. Is
1: Nidala, this oh, is Night of the Iguana, okay, and she's she's she must be in maybe her late 30s, early oh, okay. 40s, okay, and she's uh, And as a matter of fact, there was a A mad TV character. stop
0: taking your jealousy of a thing you're never going to fucking have out on this dude. Right,
1: and you're just, you're fighting
0: yourself with this.
1: And when she calls her on
0: it, the look on her face... But that is, that would be mortifying. And you've got to think, uh, am I about to be straight murdered here? (laughs) It was, it's a really, there's scenes in that Because I do not believe that that Mexico was particularly graceful to homosexuals
1: at this time. (laughs) There... It wasn't particularly, as far as I understand. Although there are a lot of gay-themed uh, corridos and things like that, oh, which is really oh. odd, you know. And I won't go into that because no, some yeah. of the language it's, is not yes. appropriate. But also, like we're right. getting long. Like yeah, we're getting long. Do you have something to recommend?
0: Oh, so you're doing what were your two?
1: I would recommend Moby Dick and Night of the Night Iguana. Iguana. And there's so many other films he did, but those are Literally two good examples. Literally,
0: any movie he's ever
1: directed. Right. Fat City about. An over-the-hill boxer trying... And Jeff Bridges is a young boxer. Ooh. Um, there's a... I
0: love Jeff Bridges. Right. I love young Jeff Bridges, but I particularly really love current Jeff Bridges. <laughs> Bald and bearded. I hope he kicks cancer's ass.
1: Yeah.
0: We've got to watch the old man. Um, I am going to recommend something, and that something is going to be a thing I finally finished, uh, which is a Netflix series called Partner Track. It okay. is a rom-com series. There are 10 episodes. It is about an Asian woman, her black gay best friend, and her white not-gay best friend. All right. Um, The three of them work at a law office where we start. And she starts dating a very rich, uh, eligible bachelor. But the dude that she hooked up at a wedding several years ago and then never saw again, uh, but had, like, super chemistry with, uh, oops, he is working at her firm now so it is complicated um it's good it's really fun i don't know if they're going to do a second season i hope mm. they do there are some interesting twists and turns uh i like the morality of it uh feel people were saying things like that's not it's not that extreme like so the things that happen in in, in these firms isn't like they're, they're blowing it out of proportion and i'm here to tell you no know the fuck they're not
1: mm, they're not
0: i'm like real done with people minimizing micro and macro aggressions that they uh, mm. uh, have no idea about right. <laughs> and are being told happen just fucking believe the people to whom it happened it's not a big deal to you fuck face right. <laughs> to you is the main point so that's That was aggravating. I thought the show was really good. I thought it was really well acted. I liked all the characters in it. Um, I don't love a love triangle. It's not a love triangle. It's a love point because it's two dudes that like one girl. Mm. And she likes both of them. They don't like each other. Therefore, not a love triangle. (laughs) Triangle reflects. There needs to be some. There's no attaching on the bottom. It's just a T. It's like an A-frame house with no foundation. It's not a girl. And I don't love that. And also, like, it's no contest between these dudes, but they make it real hard, like, they try real hard to make it a contest mm-hmm. between these dudes, and um, I'm gonna just say I disagree with who she ends up with, but mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say who it is. <laughs> um, like, I get it makes sense for the character, but of the two actors... Not a fucking chance. Not a chance. (laughs) Um, But I won't spoil who. I will not. (laughs) So that is Part of Track on Netflix. It's fun. I got through it in like three days. Just Mm. watching it in the background. Because you don't have to pay super attention to it. But the character arcs are really interesting. They each have their own Mm. sort of paths to go through the three main characters, even though it's really the one woman and then side characters, but they're full characters. Uh The gay friends don't get killed, so that's
1: oh, this good good.
0: Um, and yeah, I like it. So, next week. Mm-hmm. The Matrix. Y'all, it's a long one, so buckle in. It's the first one. Mm-hmm. Don't watch the one that just came out. I mean, you can if you want to. You can watch all of them if you want to. I don't recommend it. But... <laughs> But you could. So we're watching 1999's The Matrix. Yes. it's uh, a.
1: I mean, I always think of it as a martial arts movie. It is a martial arts movie. It's not. A, and that's what made the last one disappointed. It's also it's like, neo-noir.
0: Noir.
1: Yes? I think so. Yes. It is neo-noir. And it also... Also, it's got
0: a green tinge to it that makes you feel like you might be a little sick. You're
1: also... It's a <sighs> weird film because it's like... It's the only martial arts action neo-noir life of christ thats right. happened yeah <laughs> and it the is law it law very explicitly like huh yeah. they're okay. not subtle about it no, not, no. they're not
0: we'll talk about it they're not subtle
1: neo which it. is one spell backwards the mm. one oh my gosh well he also is called the this. one right. all the time it's that's not like they
0: didn't give him the nicknames JC, so they are <laughs> Which is what, more slightly like, ahead right. of a mother film The thing. Green Mile, for instance. For instance. Um, okay, so next week, uh, uh-huh. The Matrix. Until then, questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at latecomerspod, or you can find us on Facebook by searching Latecomers Podcast in the search bar. Happy spooky season. We look forward to October with you. And I would like to remind you to please, please take the medicine. And we would like to remind you,
1: better late late than than
0: never.